Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. So if you would, could you stand to your feet with me in honor of reading God's word? We're going to be hopping into the book of Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. I like to do this with the youth and young adults uh, just to check around. Anybody got a real Bible? A heart? Look, I already see two, three. My, I love that. Riverside brings the real Bibles here. I need to start bringing mine. My goodness, y'all are convicting me. Hey, we're going to be reading the book of Hebrews um, chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. And this is really giving us a... Um, a big picture of what the most holy place looked like. And in the book of Hebrews, um, we don't know the exact author. We assume it's Paul, but Paul is teaching to the Jewish people that are trying to go back to their ways of, the, of religion and the law, of trying to go back to, to what God did for them in the Old Testament and, and, and the children of Israel and all those things. And Paul is writing to them, and this is what he, how he describes the tabernacle and the holy place and the most holy place. In the book of Hebrews, this is what he says. Now the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary. A tabernacle was set up. In the first room was the lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Beyond the second curtain was a room called the most holy place, which had a golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. The Ark contained a gold jar of manna, Aaron's staff that had budded, and the stone tablets. Tonight we're going to be talking a little bit more about these artifacts that were within the covenant, how they relate to us, and what this this most holy place really, and how it applies to us, and what it means. Um, Tonight the title of my message is, Seek for More. Seek for More. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you that your presence is in this place. God, we thank you that your word is will not fall on deaf ears tonight, God, but will fall on good soil, that it will perform your, your work, your miracles, God, that it will go down deep and, and, and make a root, God, and, and blossom into something beautiful, God. Tonight, we just want to touch from you, a touch from heaven, God. Anoint my words, God. Let these not be my words. Let my mind get out of the way, and God, let your anointing flow tonight. We thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. You can have a seat. You can have a seat. Hey, um, I feel like it's really important for us to, as we we tackle this, this place called the most holy place, and as we look at this big idea of the tabernacle, I think as we creep our way into this place called the most holy place, this was a place where the, the, the high priest would go into the tabernacle once a year, and it would, he would perform a ritual of the Day of Atonement. He would put blood on the altar, on the, on, the, on the mercy seat for all of the sins of Israel for the entire year. This was the one time a year a person could experience the presence of God. This was one time a year. And, the, and the, the, the most holy place, we see an Ark of the Covenant, and we see three artifacts within it. But before we go into it, I think it's important for us to know what these artifacts were and a little bit about them. So we have a picture of what the Ark of the Covenant looks like. This is the Ark of the Covenant, and within it, you can see the gold jar that contained the manna. 
the, the stone tablets were the Ten Commandments, and that's Aaron's rod, which budded. And we're going to really break those down real quick. And first, the tablets, this was the law that God gave Moses. Maybe you heard this a thousand times. Maybe this is your first time hearing it. But God gave Moses this law for the, the Israelites who he had delivered from Egypt. And he said, hey, I am going to make you a holy nation. But in order for you to be holy, you have to be holy. And what holy really just mean, it means is holy just means to be set apart. And, and to be set apart, I want to give you this, this outline on how to live your life. And even us today, we can see the Ten Commandments laid out. And it's really great practicals as human beings. It's things like do not lie. Do not commit adultery. Do not, do not covet from your neighbor. All of these things, God was giving them a law on how to abide. And what I love about the Jewish people, the Jewish people still today, they don't see the Ten Commandments as a list of moral laws. They see it as instruction for how to be free people. So this ark of the, this, this, this stone tablet, that was them recognizing that God had set them apart to be a holy nation and how they could go back and reflect and see that God had delivered them and that they were called. So when this most high priest would go into the most holy place, he would sit at the, at the ark of the covenant. And when he would see the stone tablet, he was reminded of who they were as a nation, but also the promise that God had fulfilled through his people. The next one we see is the manna within the gold container there. The manna, you may know also, the manna was the bread that came from heaven. I like to, this came to me as I was studying. I, I was like, man, this is the first wonder bread. They was wondering where that bread was coming from. This is the first wonder bread. Um, I think that was funny. <laughs> But the Israelites, they, after they escaped from slavery, you, you, you can do the research on your own. You, they, they traveled for about three days, and they're complaining. They're groaning. They're hungry. They're like, hey, Moses, I see you delivered us from Egypt where we were slaves, but at least we had grapes to eat and water to drink. We were fed. We were not hungry. Now you, have you brought us out here to die? And we see Moses set time apart with God, and God tells Moses that he's going to provide them food, and he sends manna from the sky. So another amazing uh, thing that God had done for them to reflect on, that God was taking them out, and as long as they were obedient, they would see the faithfulness and the fruit of following God. So they had the manna within the Ark of the Covenant. That was a reminder of the power and the faithfulness of their God. There was nothing impossible for their God. Imagine being, leaving a place of captivity, and you're like, yes, God has finally freed us. We're going to do something great for his nation, and then you go three days without food. And the first thing, and every time, it's the, the Old Testament's amazing. It's hilarious to me. It makes my faith. I'm like, all right, I'm not doing too bad. Because they would complain. They would moan. They would, man, God, are you even going to do what you said you're going to do through us? And then God would send bread from heaven. He would, he would split the Red Sea when uh, Moses was obedient. You see, as long as they were obedient to what God was telling them, they would see the fruit from God's hand. So they had manna within the Ark of the Covenant as well. The manna was a reminder of the power and the faithfulness of God when the most high priest would step in there. And then last we see Aaron's rod. 
Aaron's rod. Um, it said, God said that um, there was a time where the, 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 the tribes were arguing. They were trying to figure out whose God-pointed person was to lead them. And God said, you know what? Give me the, the 12 people, the leaders of the tribes, and put their rods before the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, write their names on it, and the one that sprouts leaves will be your most high priest. I will bring a dead thing to life. I will bring not a, a stick that was on a tree, nothing like that. I will bring a rod, and it will produce leaves, and that, will, that way you know it was my hand that was on it. And we see Aaron's rod bloom, and the, uh, the staff belonging to the man, uh, he said, God, this is what God said. He said, the staff belonging to the man I choose will sprout. A dead stick will come to life. You see, when God commanded that each of the 12 tribes provided a rod, Aaron's was the one that sprouted. So this was their way of knowing, hey, Aaron is our guy. He is the one who is going to go before us and do the high priest rituals that we need to hear from God. So Aaron was, his rod, that, him, that being in the Ark of the Covenant was them knowing that they were following the right person. You see, what I love about these artifacts and these things that were in the Ark of the Covenant is they all so, so easily point to Jesus. You see, we can, we can easily identify that. We know that Jesus was the bread of life. We know that Jesus came and he didn't come to abolish the law but to fulfill the law and to write his law on our hearts. We see that we shall not eat by bread alone but by every word that comes from the word of God. You know, we see that God, Jesus is our most high priest and that his blood spilled at Calvary washes away our sins. And as we follow him, we will be led into the places he's called us to be. You see, all of these things within the Ark of the Covenant for God's chosen people points directly to Jesus and how we should follow him still today. You see, my first point tonight is this, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Venus, or Lee, if you're back there, skipped ahead. I'm just kidding. Uh, but for real, I did skip ahead. <laughs> so Jesus is our most high priest, and when he came, when he came to this world, he said, hey, you, I, I, I'm not having the, the, this temple anymore, but I'm actually going to make you my temple. I am going to put my Ark of the Covenant within you. You see, his temp we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. I remember one time I was, at, I was, I was on staff at a, at a summer camp, and this guy, was, he was eating lunch, and we didn't have the best food, but we had some food. And what I loved is we had dessert. And this guy is eating some, like, brown rice and veggies. And I'm like, and I walked by. I was a staff. I was like, hey, you know, we, we have food. We have dessert. You know, some great, great banana pudding over there. You can check it out. I don't know if you know, but we got some good stuff. And he said, hey, I'm, uh, I, I'm, I'm keeping my temple. And at the time, I was like, dude, you're over spiritual. But now looking at it, I thought that was a great, a great way, a great mindset. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. I am careful and watching and being obedient of what I put into my body through my eye gates, through my ear gates, through my, my words, what I eat. I am careful because I am a walking temple of the Holy Spirit. My first point is what's in your temple? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. What is in your temple? We read in Matthew 21 verses 12 through 13, Jesus entered the temple courts, 
and he drove out all of those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Come on. Are there anyone who is walking around knowing that they are the temple of the Holy Spirit? They are making their home a dwelling place for Jesus to abide in them. And as we pray, we are making ourselves a great temple for the Holy Spirit to invade. You see, you and I, we are not just ordinary. We are not just people walking around. As soon as we invite God into our lives, as soon as we accept the Savior of the world, we are now responsible of carrying the Holy Spirit and fanning that flame instead of just acting like it was one and done and I'm good. But we have a charge to be a house of prayer. Jesus walked in this temple and said, my house is a house of prayer. Is his house in you a house of prayer? Is he dwelling within you? Is he speaking to you? Are you walking by conviction? Do you know his voice? What's in your temple? Is your temple a house of prayer? Or is it filled with desires that can get you further ahead? You see, I feel like prayer is this funny word, and as we're talking about how to get results in prayer, oftentimes we can think of how we can get ahead. God, what can you do for me? God, how can I flex on my friends? God, how can I get further than the next person? You see, but there's power when we invite Jesus into our midst simply to sit at his feet, simply to seek at his face, simply to be filled with the joy and filled with the peace that surpasses all understanding. You see, there's power in prayer, but there's power when you're just sitting at the presence of Jesus. You see, God isn't a genie in a bottle. We get three wishes every day, and we thank him for all that he's doing and all that he's done. God does do amazing things, but I think oftentimes we look for his hand and not his face. We look for what he can do and not to just sit at his face and say, thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. Like the Ark of the Covenant, I want to thank you for showing up. I want to thank you for freeing me when I was bound. I want to thank you for making me a, a new and a whole person, a new creation in Christ Jesus. I want to thank you for all you've done, not all you will do. I wrote this down, and I, I, I asked my wife, I was like, hey, do you think this will come across? So we'll see if it does. She said, yeah. I thought it was good, too. God, this is when you know this is God, but, I, but I'll, I'll describe it if you don't get it. It says, are, are you dwelling in his presence, or are you dwelling for his presence? Are you dwelling for his one-on-one his, his -on -one time with you? I can't start my day without spending time in the presence of the Father and thanking him for all he's done and knowing he will continue to provide. I don't need him to do anything more. Everything he's done for me was good enough. I want to thank him and continue to worship him and continue to know he will provide. If he's done it in the past, he will do it again. If he's made a way in the past, he'll do it again. That's the God that we serve. He, he's not someone we go to when we're, when we're only in need. God, my car broke down. Please send somebody. He will, but is that the only time you're seeking him? Or are you seeking him daily as if he was your heavenly father who you are dying to have a relationship with that you can't do anything good unless you spend time with him? God is our heavenly father. He wants us to dwell in his presence, to be in the most holy place. You see, God wants us to constantly seek his presence, not be over-consumed by only his hand. 
His hand is great. His hand is powerful. But his presence does something to our soul, to our spirit. It makes us look more like him. His presence is what we need. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. My next point is remember his promises. Remember his promises. I don't know about you, but I could think of a 100,000 things to thank God for. God, you freed me when I was bound, buried in sin. God, you made a way where there seemed to be no way. God, you took a kid with a broken family, with drug abuse and convicted felons surrounding him and somehow paved a way for him to get saved, set free, delivered, and now preaching the gospel. God, you made a way. God, you've given me a family. God, you've given me a healthy marriage. Come on, can you think of anything to thank your God for? Can you remember the promises he's done for you? Can you remember the bread? Can you remember the tablets? Can you remember the the things he freed you from? We need to remember his promises. We need to remember all he's done for us. When we enter into our time of prayer, we need to remember and thank God for what he did. Not just beg him for what we want him to do, but thank him for all that he's delivered us from. Where would we be if it wasn't for the grace of God? I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be here. I don't know about you, but I I am grateful for what God has done in my life. And it wasn't for him, I'd be doing nothing good. So I want to thank him for every good thing he's ever done. I don't need him to do another good thing, but I know he will because he's a good, good father. We need to remember his promises. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. This is for somebody. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about getting married. Don't get anxious about that bill. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. As we started this mini-series, it said to enter his gates with thanksgiving. Lord, thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for coming through when no one else did. Thank you for making a way where there was no way. And then we enter into his courts with praise. And it continues to say, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. I love that verse. A peace of God that doesn't make any sense. A peace of God that will have people question, how, how are you making it? I got the peace of God. I don't worry about anything. I pray about everything. I have a peace. It surpasses all understanding. I can't tell you how I'm in my right mind. I can't tell you how I'm free. I can't tell you how I don't deal with that depression. I have a God who is above everything this world could ever offer, ever do for me. I have a God whose ways are not my ways. I have a God I seek for his presence and not only his hand. You see, our God is setting us free. He will guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus. I feel like a lot of people, especially in the youth, young adult, millennial, Gen Z age, they deal with mental depression, anxiety, comparison. We have social media at our face. Today, intentionally, I did not get on social media. I, I was like, I can't, I can't deal with the comparing. If I see another pastor pop up or someone doing something great, I can't, I can't deal with it. We have it in our face constantly. 
but yet we have a God who can step in and say, you are good enough just the way I made you. You are not supposed to be the junior, junior high version of them. You're supposed to be the varsity version of how I made you. You see, God wants to do great things through us when we have our identity in him. This reminds me of the scripture when, when, when Peter walked on water. He was consumed with what was happening around him. He was consumed with the wind and the waves and the storms blowing. He was consumed with what was going to come against him. But when he put his eyes on Jesus, he was able to stand on top of the thing that could have killed him. He was able to stand on top of the water that could have drowned him. He was able to walk, but then he took his eyes off Jesus. But then Jesus picked him back up so graciously and said, as long as you keep your eyes on me and not these things around you, I will provide, I will make a way, and I will show up because I am your God. You see, that's what I love about the most holy place. It had the signs that God, of God's hand. It had the signs that God provided. It had the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, the, in the Ark of the Covenant was the stone tablets, the manna bread, the, the rod, Aaron's rod. You see, we should thank God for all he's done. And in that time, we will see his faithfulness. My next point is this. Get past the gates. Get past the gates. As we're talking about the tabernacle, I know as a staff and a, as the pastors, and I've been talking to Pastor Bobby, I think we, we, we see a lot of Christians, maybe definitely not all, we see a lot of Christians who stay in that outer courts area. They, stay, they get in the gates, and they, they, they get comfortable. They accept Jesus, but they don't want to let go of their, their routines. They, they, they go to church on Sunday, but they don't want to break the generational curse. They have the prayer request, but they wonder why it's not getting answered, but they're not spending time in the presence of God. You see, we got to, as, a, as a, a family of believers, we have to get past the outer courts. You see, when Jesus came and he died and rose again, the Bible says the veil was torn from top to bottom, and we now have access to the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God. So why aren't we seeking his presence? Why aren't we seeking his goodness? Why aren't we seeking after all he has for us? You see, we have a responsibility. We're not made to just get by. We're made to live an abundant life, and the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have good news. Jesus said, I come to give you a life and life of abundance. I come not to, to let you just get by and by, but a life of abundance. You see, we should get past the gates, not just settle for what we see in front of us, not settle for our routine, not settle for our religion, not settle for what our family did, and, and I'm comfortable here, but to get past that and watch God start generational blessings. You see, that's the God that we serve. We get stuck at the gates, but God says, I want to transform your life. When you spend time in the presence of God, that's, that's, nothing money, that's something money can never buy. That's something that the perfect opportunity could never get you. That's having the God of the universe work through your life and get you to where he's called you to go. That's what we see with the children of Israel. You have to go deeper and sit face to face with him. You have to go deeper, even when it's hard, even when the babies are crying, 
even when the chaos is happening around you. You got to make time to sit in the presence of God. You got to make time to fight for your family. You got to make time to fight for your marriage. You got to make time to fight for this walk with Jesus. You got to make time to sit at his face and say, chaos might be happening around me, but I just need to sit at his face for more than just a minute, for more than just two, until I feel him face to face with me because I have the authority to stand with him. I have the authority to get his presence. I have all that I need when I'm sitting with God. You see, we have access that these priests didn't have access to. I would love for a, a, a high priest to come in here, maybe Aaron, maybe Moses come in here and be like, hey, man, you guys have the access to the presence of God all day? We had to carry that around in a box. And once a year, if we were clean enough, we didn't die in his presence. Yet you and I, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us so we could have access to him. Why aren't we seeking his face and saying, thank you, Jesus, for all that you've done? I just want to sit in your presence. I just want to sit in your presence. It's hard. I know life gets busy. I know things are happening. School just started. If you got kids, I know it's hard. But we have to make time for the things we need. We make time for the things we need. Wake up an hour early. I'm telling you what, I have seen God's hand move more by sitting time at his face with my family during the week, praying in the spirit for an hour than I've ever seen in my entire life. You can't tell me that's just good luck. You can't tell me I'm not seeing the hand of God on this church. You can't tell me I'm not seeing the hand of God on this family. You can't tell me I'm not seeing the hand of God move. Why? Because I'm sitting at his face and I'm seeing the fruit and he will continue to do every good thing he has started. That's the God that we serve when we sit in his presence. We have access to the presence of God. Worship team, you can come up. My last point is this. He is with you. He is with you. I feel like a lot of times or sometimes we can distance ourselves from God. We can feel like he's far away. He wouldn't want to come near us. Oh, God, what I did, you, you wouldn't want to, you, you, there's no way. You couldn't come near me. That's not the God that we serve. He's pursuing us. He's wanting us to look more like him. And as we spend time in his presence, we will see that. Matthew 1, verse, Matthew 1, 23 says this. This is a scripture we, you're probably familiar with, and we read it a lot at Christmas, but I think it's very profound. The virgin will conceive and give birth to the son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. This was a game changer. God with us? God, God not in the temple? God with us? We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. He is with you and I. We read the scripture and we think it's normal. The high priest had to carry, the, they had, the Israelites had to carry this ark. They had to work for it. They were sweating. They were moving it. Why? They didn't want to lose what you and I take for granted. They didn't want to lose it. They understood they were nothing without it. They understood God's hand got them to where they were, and he would continue to get them to the promised land. He lives 
with us. If you could stand to your feet with me. I'm going to close with this last scripture. John 14, verses 15 through 17 says this. This is Jesus speaking. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper. That may, he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be inside of you. You see, not only is he with you, he is inside of you. He is within you. He is walking and talking. He's seeking. He's chasing. He's pursuing. But how many times are we distracted? Are we occupied? Are we not making time? God, we repent right now. God, right now we make a moment to turn our hearts to you. God, we know we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for you. Let this be a reminder this, this Wednesday night to seek your presence. I don't ever want to grow tired of seeking your presence. I never want to forget what you've done for us. We thank you, Jesus. You see, God was never meant to be put inside of a box. He was meant to be put inside of us. He was meant to dwell with his people. You know, the word tabernacle in Hebrew, it just relates to dwelling place. God wants to dwell with his people. He wants to sit with them. He wants to dine with them. He wants to be face to face with his people. He wants to sit with us. Can we take a moment and enter into his gates with thanksgiving? God, we want to enter into your courts with praise. God, we want to pray and watch your incense, your presence fill the house. God, right now we take a moment and remember every good thing you have ever done for us. And if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here. God, if it wasn't for your faithfulness, God, if it wasn't for you pursuing us after we messed up time and time and time again, we wouldn't be here. But because of your goodness, God, we just want to sit at your face. We just want to sit in your presence. We want to remember what you've done. God, pivot our hearts to be thankful but to not be satisfied. God, we're choosing to go deeper with you. This message may not be for everybody, but this message is for those who want to go deeper with him. God, we want to go deeper with you. We want to sit at your face, God. Thank you, Jesus. Let's praise, let's praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. 
For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.